Hello, friends. Welcome to the trailer for The Road Taken with CT and Bayo. I'm Bayo. And I'm CT. We've embarked on a massive world tour and are excited to experience all the thrills and boredom that entails. To help us process our own experiences along the way, we'll be having conversations with peers, idols, and maybe a rando or two. The Road Taken with CT and Bayo, part of the Ringer Podcast Network on all podcast platforms. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. A story broke right after we recorded last week, and it was not the Prince Harry one. It was shortly thereafter. Ben Affleck was seen out to dinner in Los Angeles with a blonde per the Daily Mail. We'll come back to that one because we're going to talk about it. Also, we'll talk more about Prince Harry and um, RIP to our favorite Instagram function. It's not my favorite, but... It's my favorite. Okay, we'll talk about that. RIP to my favorite Instagram function. Okay. But first... Let's talk about Ellen DeGeneres and her television show, Ellen. Oh, um, boy. What's your what's your Ellen uh, appetite, like, Ellen diet? Like, how often do you watch an Ellen video? When someone who is famous that I care about is on the show, I will watch uh, like short clips of it on YouTube. The last time that I watched Ellen before this whole let me guess. Situation today. Yeah. The Brad Pitt situation. Yes, because I sent it to you. And we didn't actually talk about this on any podcast. So before we have to talk, before we have to cancel Ellen, which we're not canceling Ellen, but, you know. I don't cancel. Before we talk about Ellen, let's just talk about that video where Brad Pitt went on Ellen to promote at Astra. But he just, he does a bit where he sits in the audience like a like a normal fan of Ellen. And he sits in the audience and watches the show for like a full seven minutes. Like he's there for a very long time and it's, they keep cutting back to him. It's pretty wild. And he's like in on the jokes about the various segments. It's just Brad Pitt doing Ellen comedy for seven minutes. And like all of the, it's definitely only women sitting next to him are just losing their minds. Imagine if you went to any sort of event and then Brad Pitt were sitting next to you as part of like a, promotional gag I, I mean I don't know I would like be drenched in sweat I'd have dry mouth I'd be so nervous mm-hmm. and like distracted I mean I can't even imagine the event would be sitting near in the general vicinity of Brad Pitt fear of something like this is basically why I don't go to events <laughs> I really <laughs> driven, driven you to be homebound <laughs> can't I leave the really, house really 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 hate audience participation it's which is not, I, I enjoyed this Brad Pitt moment because I thought Brad Pitt was very charming. But if I had to be the person sitting next to him interacting with strangers as part of performance, there's nothing that makes me more uncomfortable. I did not sign up to be a part of your performance. I, I agree with you. Just sort of like leave me alone. It's like I never went to Blue Man Group for this reason. I, Cats is like a real traumatic memory hate, for me. I hated Cats and I love musicals. I, they're it's just, I, it's just, you know, boundaries, personal boundaries. As we all know, I believe in them. And that includes all performances and public events. Would you, so you would never go to Ellen is kind of the baseline. But if you did, mm-hmm. would you dance? You know, when everyone dances at the beginning of Ellen. That's well, how every show starts. I do know that. And you know what? I enjoy it. Uh, watching it. I'm not really a joiner, as you know. Yeah. But I also I'm not either. do like dancing. You know, I love a wedding floor. Like, I love a wedding DJ. So sure. I I guess it would depend on how comfortable I were in the moment of whether I was, like, wanted to judge everybody for dancing or was just kind of like, I'm here at Ellen and I'm dancing. I think if I'm already in a place where you've gotten me through the doors, 
And you're just like, Amanda, you're going to be an Ellen and there are going to be cameras pointed and it's going to be okay. And you shall dance. Then I would go ahead and dance. I think, like, we've already gotten over the hurdles in getting me to Ellen. Right right now in my head, I'm imagining um, the Jamiroquai segment of the final dance at the end of Center Stage. Mm-hmm. Where they just said, dance! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over and over. Okay, so we've established that should you okay. go to Ellen, you would dance, but you would never go to Ellen. I probably wouldn't go to Ellen either. Going to live TV tapings is not that fun. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge time commitment, and you don't get to have your phone with you. So mm-hmm. you can't even take a picture of Brad Pitt nearing, being near you. So what's the point? Right. Um, the reason we're talking about Ellen is because on Sunday, she attended the Green Bay Packers versus the Dallas Cowboys, I think. They? Yes. Yes, that's what they were playing. Um Packers won, which was very exciting yes, in my pack- household. Packers won, which is great. And she was sitting at the front of Jerry Jones's box with George Bush. This immediately made people angry. Yes. So this became a Twitter meme. Yes. As all things do. To the point that Ellen felt the need to address it on her show. Correct. And so it was on the, I believe it was the Tuesday show, late Monday night, Tuesday morning, a monologue from Ellen posted to Twitter, which is interesting. Like, I guess she does still do kind of stand up monologue things on the yes. show, but it's never the part I watch. So I, part of watching it was like, wow, this is from the 80s. Also, not common to pre-release the clip before it airs. Right. But it's, so it's clearly, it's a response. Yes. And you know it's a response because in the setup to the speech, she talks about the people on Twitter who got mad about stuff. Like that, that's honestly part of the the text that she reads or kind of delivers and is part of the reason for doing it. And she, it, you know, there are a lot of other jokes in there. She, she like makes a whistleblower joke, but it's about the referee, which I, I found uh, glib and also indicative of the seriousness with which Ellen is taking the various issues at play. She also um, made a joke about like um, conflict, people not agreeing, but that conflict right. was between Cowboys and Packers fans. Right. Um, And then she posts a random tweet that's like, the beauty of America is Ellen and George W. Bush sitting next to each other. Yeah, I think in in this photo of George Bush and Ellen gives me faith in America. Yeah. And she uses that tweet to say that this is correct and that she's friends with people who have different views with her. And Mm -hmm. she is, she says proactively, I'm friends with George W. Bush. I'm friends with people who don't agree with me, and that's what we all need to do. That's to heal the world. Everyone just needs to be friends with each other. Yeah, and I think, like, on the surface, you and I both agree with that. Like, yeah, try to find middle ground with someone who you don't completely see eye to eye with. But I think George Bush as a celebrity Mm -hmm. is completely separate from George Bush, the president, in, in, in 2019, which is weird. Because he's right. a celebrity because of his family's political legacy, not only his own, like his father as well, and others. And a lot of people were really angry about George Bush when he was president. He just see, he followed a lot of the norms that many of us have grown up with of government. So he seemed like, at the time, um, more palatable than people who don't like Trump, which happens to include you and me. But the, the issue is just Ellen's, I think, t- the way she approached this topic was very, um, as you said, glib. There is a difference between saying, I don't agree with George W. Bush's policies on X, Y, Z, but I, you know, and I do think a lot of people were 
as you pointed out, frustrated with the fact that Ellen is like a very out and um, active gay woman and that the Bush administration uh, was not great on this, those issues. And I believe sponsored a uh, anti-same-sex yes. marriage amendment. So for and people were like, how can you do that? And frankly, when it's as far as Ellen's relation to her own personal identity and beliefs, like I'm not going to litigate that at all. But I think there's a difference between Ellen saying, I don't agree with George W. Bush on same sex marriage or on LGBTQ rights. But but the way that we overcome these differences is by talking about our views and 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 for me to be friends with him and for me as a gay person to to be able to talk with him and have discussions. To tell him about yes. my life, to educate him, there, to tell him how I exactly, feel. Exactly. But there's something to like actually naming the issues or naming specificity that makes you actually believe it. Yeah. And there's a difference between specificity and what Ellen said, which was just like, whatever, we should just all be nice to each other. Yeah. We should all be nice to each other in a really empty, superficial level. Yeah. I think this has come up a lot because a lot of people have been like, we need civility back. And like, this has particularly come up, I think, in relation to the Senate where people like there's a lot of sort of like deference to Senate collegiality and civility. That happens. It comes up a lot. But people are so angry in this moment Mm -hmm. and things are so polarized. And I mean, I certainly feel that way, that it's hard to to like sympathize. Like, like, can't we all just get along? Right. I think also (laughs) what I had a reaction to from this whole situation is not the, the can we all just get along, although I do think that is empty rhetoric, but that Ellen is using can we all get along to protect her very uh, specific and privileged position in the celebrity ecosphere. It just kind of felt on Sunday night when she's there in the box with, she was invited by Jerry Jones's daughter and she's sitting next to a former president. And it's just, that's, that's like, that's a, that's elitism. That's, wealthy celebrity people just on display. And that's fine. Ellen DeGeneres is very wealthy and very successful and has every right to do whatever she wants. But she's got to be a top 10 rich person currently in television, I'd have to say. Yeah, I think that sounds right. And she's worked very hard and she deserves it. But there is this chasm between the reality of that and what she wants to be seen as. And there was something in that speech of like people on Twitter were mad that reminded me a lot of when she had Kevin Hart on the show last year. Um, after Kevin Hart was fired from, (laughs) this is a ridiculous sentence. Let's see if I can get it in one. She had him on the show after he was fired from the Oscars hosting gig because of homophobic tweets that he had published almost a decade ago. Yes. As he says on the show, 40,000 tweets ago. Yeah, 40,000 tweets ago. And Ellen basically inserted herself into that conversation to advocate for Kevin Hart against the trolls and the haters. And there's this really surreal interview that I just rewatched where they're both just, the tenor of it all is how dare anyone question us? How dare anyone look back at public statements? How dare anyone hold me responsible? Kevin Hart is literally like, this is a public attack on my brands. And Ellen is just like, the only way to protect against the haters is for you to be able to host the Oscars again. Yeah, and he even says that the evidence that people went back to his tweets 40,000 tweets ago, the fact that people did that is evidence that it's an attack. Like to him, it's like, because they went back to something that was already, to look back to something that's public, it has to be an attack and malicious and deliberate. And there's just this kind of like keeping people out of the gates quality to it. If it's just like, 
we're famous and successful, and how dare you question that? And I, I think even her recent comedy special on Netflix was called Relatable. Yeah. And it was like playing with this entire idea of I'm rich and I'm famous, and but I'm still supposed to be this person that everyone wants to dance with and kind of the resentment that she feels about that. And I, so I just can't watch any of this without just thinking, oh, you're just it's self-serving, protecting yourself. You're just like a really rich person who doesn't want to deal with any criticism. Yeah. And I think on the one hand, I think we both would really agree, like, let's not let people on Twitter dictate the conversation all the time. Like, I think... I made a cancel joke earlier, but we don't cancel people. Yeah, like, that's just definitely not something that I think we on Jam Session want to do. Like, it's just sort of not how we've been operating, nor do we want to. And, like, listening solely to, like, a loud cries of a small group of people on Twitter is, like, not the way to operate in the world. But it's also dispiriting to see her like just dismiss this critique which is really I think um based in you know something very legitimate and also uh it's just it's complicated it's really it's really complicated and I do think that um in the 21st century the post-presidential life of presidents is really really tricky and they instantly become celebrities they have uh, the ability to make so much money and they go from well, they should go from not, you know, making a sort of like a, a standard amount of money for a president right. to and being like a public servant, a career public servant, usually to then a massive celebrity, like among the 10 most famous people in the world. And it's a really weird transition. I think it must be strange to live and to navigate and to like be a part of. But it's also makes it hard to legislate. Like, who are these people on the consciousness now? Right. And I think it's also true for someone as famous as Ellen. It's difficult to reconcile personal beliefs in politics with your public image and your public success and platform. And we've talked so much about should celebrities be political figures? And we're living in the consequences of that every single day in a really profound way. But to deny that you have any sort of impact or that people aren't watching you and also that you haven't made millions of dollars off the fact of people watching you. You know, you kind of you can't have it both ways. Yeah. And I think you're totally right. It's complicated. It's nuanced. I'm not saying that everyone on Twitter, like posting a screenshot was, you know, has the moral high ground here. But I think the reflexive dismissiveness of, of the Ellen speech today just indicates that these people have a lot of power and they're yeah. maybe not thinking about it in pl- the way that we yeah. would like them to. Her platform is massive. I think that's a big part of it. It's not the same as like some other like cult fi- Like it wouldn't be the same as like Timothy Chalamet sitting in the front of a box with George Bush, you right. know? Like that's really, or even like someone like, you know, like Billie Eilish. Like it's just really different. The way that Ellen connects with people is really right. different. And one thing I have been thinking about is it probably is exhausting to constantly be the face of a movement or to be constantly constantly identified as a movement. And Ellen was famous first for being a comedian and a sitcom actress. And then she extremely famously was, you know, her her character came out and then mm-hmm. Ellen came out. Yes. And so she has been like probably the one of the most high profile gay people for so long. And that must be like incredibly profound and I can understand it, but also exhausting. And it probably is hard to like constantly be the face of that. But it also is a big part of who she is in the public consciousness yeah. and there's no way around it. I think you're totally right. I think it probably changes your brain at some point. If yeah. you've been that famous for that long and so many people have had an opinion about your life and your personal identity and your relationships uh, for over 20 years now, yeah. it it totally 
is exhausting and also just changes the way you interact with the world. And there is certainly a defensiveness that comes with it. And yeah. I think I was using the word dismissiveness, which I definitely picked up picked up on, but I think defensiveness totally. is definitely part of the mix. And also like her career, like let's compare it to Brad Pitt, who we talked about yeah. a few weeks ago, also extremely defensive and as a result, spends his time behind walls and yeah. d- doesn't like interact with people except for in the, the comfortable controlled confines of the Ellen audience. Mm-hmm. Ellen is the opposite. She's been basically as public as a celebrity can be, being on TV every day mm-hmm. and pretty open about her life. And what that is like I can't even imagine both their lives are beyond comprehension for me. But it's just, it's it's fascinating that she does live so publicly and then when confronted with this criticism is pretty, pretty like quietly caustic about it. Yeah. I think the other thing, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we talk about the Prince Harry case also, is that at some point she is profiting from the fact that her life has been that public. Yeah. Like I reread the Certainly. New York Times profile of her from last year tied to her mm-hmm. comedy special, and it was talking about the two houses in Carpinteria outside Santa Barbara that she owns. One is two doors down from George Lucas, plus a place in the city. Ellen's doing great. Ellen's doing better than almost anyone. Uh, she's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Of course. Yeah. And that's all because she's really famous and people want to be close to her. And so, you know, I, we always come back to this on this show, that there should be boundaries, that there should be, um, that not everything is available to the public, but it's tricky when pe- celebrities get mad for being held accountable for public behavior yeah. because they're held accountable the other way and that they're often paid for it. Yeah. The Bushes complicate things a lot. They really do. They really, really do. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to another complicated matter. The case of Ben Affleck going out for dinner with Laureen Powell Is this complicated? Well, I just think it's, I think it's really, really funny. Okay. Really hilarious. So um, a couple of, it's about a week ago, I believe. It was last Wednesday. The Daily Mail first posted that um, Ben Affleck was out to dinner with a pretty blonde woman. Yes. And then their story was promptly updated after people pointed out. Specifically, ringer dish friend Claire Malone. Yes. I honestly believe that Claire Malone should be paid for this headline update. Yes. I agree with you. She pointed out, thank you, Claire Malone, that uh, it was Laureen Powell Jobs, who is... you know, a philanthropist and most famously the widow of Steve Jobs. So they went out for dinner and the insinuation, whenever Ben Affleck is seen with a woman who is not Jennifer Garner or immediately identified, is that he's there on a date. Mm -hmm. And I just thought this was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Obviously, because I didn't know who Laureen Powell Jobs was. And I just find the insinuation they were on a date very comical. I'm sorry, but I do. No shots at Lorraine Powell Jobs at all. All the shots at Ben Affleck. Everything we know. About- <laughs> wow. This is a sacred cow for you. I can't believe that you just... I say it for love because I love Ben Affleck so much and want and hope for the best from him and for him. And nothing that I've seen about him in the last five years indicates that he would be having a casual date at a highly photographable restaurant right off of PCH with a woman as formidable as Lorraine Powell Jobs. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's how I feel. What What if he did, though? Can you imagine if that's like Ben Affleck's fifth act? Is if that's suddenly, Ben Affleck's fifth act, I'm, is I'm shaking right now. It's basically clooning and then marrying someone way out of his league with much higher like moral standards and just trotting around being like, yes, I support my wife in her initiative to save the world. I would die of happiness okay. on the spot. 
<laughs> it would make me so happy. I think it is so unlikely. One reason I love Ben Affleck, quietly also very philanthropic. Yes. And my guess is they were having some philanthropy dinner or some business dinner yeah. where she was like going to fund something. According to your beloved page six, uh, Lauren Palajabs has been involved with Affleck's Eastern Congo Initiative since 2010. Nailed it. There I knew it. I there knew it. Go. Absolutely knew yeah. it. There's, I didn't even need to have any extra background to know that. Let me let me ask you this, though. Okay. If Ben Affleck and Lauren, P- Lauren Powell Jobs were secretly, were not even secretly dating, they were dating. They announced it by going to Giorgio Baldi. Do you think they'd go to Giorgio Baldi? Do you think that they would choose that? Do you think that they'd just be like, whatever, we're going to do it? Or would they try to keep it secret? Because Giorgio Baldi, for those of you who don't know, it's like a the paparazzi are always there because famous people are always right there. Right off the PCH. Mm-hmm. I've never been. It's too expensive for me. Uh, Rihanna Dr- likes to go there. Yes, she Or does. used to when she came to L.A. I guess she doesn't anymore. There's a new restaurant over there right in the same area okay. called Mason that I think she goes to now okay. instead. All right. Um, I believe she may be an investor. Mm. Um, so, if th- this is my guess about why they went to dinner there. Okay. For some, for some reason, Brad Pitt got to choose. I keep saying Brad Pitt. I know. <laughs> I just love that guy. For some reason, Ben Affleck got to choose the location. Mm-hmm. And Ben Affleck, who is often photographed in Brentwood and the Pacific Palisades, must live in that general area, was like, okay, you're coming to me. What's the most convenient, fancy dinner place for me? Giorgio Baldi. Okay. Is my assumption. All right. Or his assistant couldn't get him to respond about where he wanted to go to dinner. So, just so they just p- picked an old reliable, Giorgio yeah. Baldi. Okay. This would not be how they announced it. I think... I agree. I think that the selection of restaurant indicates that they are not dating because... If they were trying to keep it under wraps, they would have gone somewhere else. One hundred percent. Okay. And I just, I just, I'm sorry. I, I, I just know this is not a thing. But I'm happy that Ben Affleck is a wonderful philanthropist in finding other great philanthropists. It, amen. Amen. Also, doesn't she own the Atlantic magazine? Oh, I, I don't know if she owns it or whether she's the primary investor at this point. But yes, she has a financial relationship with the Atlantic. <laughs> That's a beautiful way of putting it. <laughs> Financial relationship. I'm going to start to describe. I have a financial relationship with my car. I pay for it. There are so many things. I just immediately, like, I have a financial relationship with, like, Glossier or some shit. Incredible. Just absolutely incredible. Okie dokie. Moving on. Um, So last week we discussed Prince Harry's... um, statement on his website about how the he and Megan were taking action against the mail on Sunday. I presume that continues. There's been no mm-hmm. update to say otherwise. Has been an update date to say that he's also suing two other newspapers. Yes. And this is related to alleged phone hacking mm-hmm. of his mother, Diana. Yes. Twist I didn't see coming in this story. I think it might also involve hacking of Harry voicemails as well. I see. I think that it's essentially that the statute of limitations is pretty flexible on these sorts of things. So it might be a whole range of issues. But yeah, they've essentially broadened the scope of their legal action from the Daily Mail to three newspapers. And yeah, they're really taking it on. They are. I've learned about this primarily through the Twitter of Hugh Grant, Mm. your favorite and mine, actor Hugh Grant, who's his actual Twitter handle is hacked off Hugh. Mm. And this is in reference to the work that he does with a, an organization called Hacking Inquiry, which is a, a um, public interest group in the UK devoted to 
holding newspapers responsible for all the hacking stuff. And Hugh Grant's a part of it because he was hacked. He was hacked, yeah. Yeah, and so he's really outspoken about this. He was very outspoken about this case over the weekend and also the fact that the movie theater he went to in London was too loud. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's the only film Twitter I like. So good. But it just like threw a lot of principled Brexit updates and thoughts about phone hacking and Prince Harry. And then he's just like, this. the cinema is too loud now, which I just really support Hugh Grant. But it's been interesting reading the papers more, the coverage of these more generally. And I have found The Guardian to be most in line with my particular perspective on covering this, these issues. It seems like they will definitely win these legal cases. Interesting. Though with the hacking one, they might have to testify, which would be fascinating. I'm glad you brought out testifying. Yeah. this brings me to uh, just a a memory I wanted to share. Mm -hmm. I believe it was 2010. Sure. For the last hacking scandal. Yes. uh, Good old Rupert Murdoch had to testify Mm -hmm. before Parliament. And someone threw a pie in his face. And Wendy Dang sprang up. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. To defend him. All time. Probably one of my best moments of life. (laughs) Certainly a top three moment of life on the internet. And every time I watch Succession, I I was this week on Succession when they testified before Congress. I was like, will there be a pie? And will someone defend Logan? Yes. And no, there was not. I was devastated. Anyway, all we can hope for is some more shenanigans. Totally safe shenanigans before Parliament as it relates to celebrity hacking. Yeah. I have a hard time imagining both of them testifying. I, it also doesn't really seem for the hacking things that Megan is involved, at least according to... Nothing has been confirmed it on does, these, but according to the r- reports I've read. It doesn't seem like Megan will be speaking much on these topics. So far, it's been announcements and statements from Harry. Right, which is wise in the sense that he's really able to immediately draw on his mother's experience. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which is definitely motivating a lot of this and all of it that seems just as far as I am concerned. But anyway, the the coverage in the UK press has been interesting because it's like they, it's a real like when the battle lose the war situation mm-hmm. is seems to be a lot of people are kind of like how far ahead have they thought about this because they've chosen legal cases that where they have a legal case and will probably win, but that they're especially in terms of this statement that Harry uh, posted, um, they've opened a broader scope against the media and will that backfire attitude wise because they are still technically receiving a lot of taxpayer money in order to be representatives of of the crown and of the UK, I suppose, and it's already a very fraught time there, and. They might be right on certain cases, but have they opened themselves up to other criticism? Right. They may have. Um, I find that Harry is transforming into the character Will from the wonderful novel um, The Royal We, which you sent to me. Oh, yeah. Over the summer. Mm-hmm. I feel like Harry's becoming the Will we all want to see in this world. <laughs> I guess so the, so. the Royal We is the lightly fictioni- fictionalized Will, and it's really now pretty- kind of— Kate and Megan. What's his? What's the character's name in the book? Okay, it's not Will. I just called him Will. Oh, okay. the 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 prince. The prince. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really remember. Doesn't really matter. The Will character. So yeah, it's it's a slightly fictionalized, but now it kind of seems like heavily fictionalized telling of how Kate and William met and then like ended up getting married. But in it, the woman turns out to be American. Yes. And it was written before Megan and Harry yes. were a thing, so it was quite prescient, actually. Actually, 
It's really well done. Yeah. It's written by the Fug Girls. They did it. They did a great job. I recommend it. I'm really, it was optioned by um, two of my faves, Lauren Graham and Mae Whitman mm-hmm. of Parenthood Partnership. And it never got made in, in, into anything. I hope that option expires and someone else picks it up because it was so great. Me too. But yeah, that one in terms of their relationship to the press, it doesn't totally turn out like everyone might expect. No, it doesn't. I, without spoiling anything. No. It, it gets complicated. Yes, it does. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like these two are, are now seem more closely aligned with that story, but it's kind of funny. Yes, it is. Um, last note on Prince Harry, then we can move on. Did you see the video from their trip when he was in Malawi where this reporter asked him about, like, some meeting he had just had with, you know, a, pub- a public event where he, like, didn't like the question? And he, he calls her by name and he's like, Rhiannon, don't behave like this. I didn't see And this. then gets in the car and yeah. just drives off. Well, she literally is like, what is the point of the event that you just did? What was the point of that conversation? And he's kind of like, what kind of question is that? And then she's like, what was the point? And then it's he, he, then he says, really, don't behave like that. Yeah, but it's it's dismissive rather than snapping. It's just kind of like, what the fuck? What do you want from me? Which I appreciate. I've, I've related to the to the emotion intensely, even though it's probably not prudent. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's that bad. I don't really think it's going to blow up in his face. She's yeah. kind of being annoying. Seems like everyone's moved on. Yeah, it was a really like off the cuff moment though, and I enjoyed it because I was just like, oh, this is this is who Harry is. Mm-hmm. He's just a rich guy. Yeah, a handsome, tall, rich guy. He is. That, I mean, his hair. just a rich guy. It's not too late for him to do the hair transplant. Okay, well, I'll let him know next time I talk to him. <laughs> All righty. Final topic of the day is a, a eulogy, for, a dirge from me. And just a, a parting goodbye from Amanda. Less emotional. Mm-hmm. Instagram is getting rid of the the activity, following activity tab. Mm-hmm. So you can see what the people you follow are liking and who they are following. And I don't know that the relationship between Gigi Hadid and Tyler Cameron would have come to light so quickly had it not been for that tab. So not only am I upset for the celebrity implications, but also because I love that tab and it's a great way of knowing when your friend is ignoring you and not texting you back. I have a lot of questions that I'd like to ask you. Okay. Let's start with celebrity and work our way down. Okay. So, yes, we did learn about Gigi and Tyler and perhaps honestly even spurred them together with our enthusiasm via the Instagram activity feed. Instagram is removing this feed, but they're not removing the ability to publicly see who is liking and following. Like in stuff. your in your feed though. Right. So if you go to your feed but and you look at a post, but it's the, available, right? Yeah. But the current I, activity list is a stalker's delight. I mean, it's sure. just the best. But I'm just saying in terms of celebrity experience, a lot of people w- that were very concerned that the comments account, by celebs comments by celebs would be affected, but unless they're getting rid of the algorithm that prioritizes celebrity comments, which is a separate thing, and it's definitely an algorithm ex- that exists. Like, comments by slaves will be fine. Those things will still come yes, to the top. will be fine. We'll still be able to see that, like, Gwyneth Paltrow liked whatever. But it does make it harder, but that's okay. On a person-to-person by basis, it makes it a lot harder. So, what are, you're using it primarily to make sure that people aren't texting you back? I just like to have all the info possible. I know that's true. So... I like to have most of the info possible. So, I like to... I don't know, I... I think in in different phases of life, I look by myself looking at it more often to see like mm-hmm. what are people liking. But it's like one of my habits with my phone, and I find I have more phone habits like than ever before, and I'm super disturbed by it. Is I open Instagram, I see if I have any notifications. I don't. I swipe and I see what else, and I see what everyone's doing. And that's the first thing that you do. 
Yeah, before I even look at my feed, I look at the activity. Wow. Okay. Well, I I feel like this is honestly basically an intervention in some ways. (laughs) So that's good. I use it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love being in other people's business. I find the activity feed more useful on Twitter Mm. because I can just judge what you're a other tweet people user. are liking because I'm a tweet tech user. Honestly, like I can tell when people are reporting stories about subjects. Like I can tell when people, you can tell when people are yeah. getting hired. You can tell, like you're really telling you're on yourself on Twitter, uh, activity feed at all times, just a PSA. Instagram, I always felt like it was just people liking a bunch of babies and then like the dudes who would like a bunch of bikini photos. And it's like, oh, you're an idiot. I like it mostly for dudes telling on themselves. So, okay. Like, honestly, that's my, really? my main my main interest. Yeah, yeah, guys I know, guys I don't know. I just feel like they're like, I like that kind of creep, post creeps. I think this is probably disabling Instagram as a dating vessel platform as well. Because I have to imagine that a lot of like the liking and signals interest and you can see that from afar and you can kind of see what other people are interested in. I think it also disables like you understanding someone's level of interest in you versus how much they're liking other stuff. Oh, I see. Like you, like, let's say I was following my, my, I would like you to be my boyfriend, but you don't want to commit Brad Pitt. Mm -hmm. And I could see like, I was posting on Instagram and Brad Pitt wasn't liking it. Right. I would maybe not think anything of it because I didn't know anything about his Instagram habits. But then I could go over to the activity tab and see, oh, he's liking all of this shit, but not mine. Right. And then... I would be upset. Okay. Or have clarity or whatever. But I'm just saying, as a kind of, as a navigational tool, it's definitely disabled. Let me just, let me take this one further. Yes. Because theoretically, if this is possible, shouldn't any rational Instagram user be aware that what they're liking is public and shouldn't they be smart about it? So is it- people so much credit. I know, but uh, shouldn't we be holding the people to the standards if you see a dude just liking a shitload of porny pics? Then not only is that not happening— not just porny, though. It's just, like, other girls, too. Sure. Okay. If he's liking other girls and you think you have an understanding, <laughs> not only is that a basic problem, but also the guy's an idiot enough that he doesn't know that you can see that. So, good riddance. You know— this isn't this. So are we protecting? I guess we're, we're protecting not, ourselves. I guess I guess we're protecting ourselves. I just but. like having all this info, and I like keeping tabs on people. Okay. So I'm just I'm just really disappointed. It's it's going. The info will be available. You have to try a lot harder to get it. Okay, a lot harder. I had another Instagram note that I actually just thought of yes. as, as we were discussing this, and also since I mentioned Tyler, and um, Tyler posted a photo with Instagram influencers Sarah and Aaron Foster. The the quote was. Had a great time at the La Mer event with my younger sisters. Now I got some moisturizer for this crusty face of mine. Aaron and Sarah both commented on this. And um, I just want to note that Aaron and Sarah Foster's father is David Foster, who is the former stepfather, as seen on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills when he was not yet former, of Tyler's ex-flame, Gigi Hadid. Mm-hmm. I find this all very weird. I think that you probably have a better understanding of the relationship between, say, Sarah Foster and Gigi than I do. Or Tyler, for that matter. Probably. That's true. All three. But, you know, yes, it seems weird, but it also seems possible that those two just basically don't have a relationship with Gigi. I guess not. I I mean... She didn't like the pick, in case you're wondering. I... That's good to know. I... 
maybe they have a minimal relationship with Gigi and they wish they had more of a relationship because Gigi's really famous and so that this is a way of getting Gigi's attention and annoying her. Do you think Tyler would be complicit in that? I fear that Tyler's looking for the most attention possible right now. Okay, yeah. So he could be. Right now. <laughs> um, I guess so. Maybe maybe the silver, the positive spin on all this. It's neither positive nor negative. It's just incredibly intriguing to me. This is like a great Instagram story, in my okay. opinion. Do you think Tyler's trying to get Gigi back? I think maybe he's like interested in making her jealous, perhaps. Okay. I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, who's to say? I don't know. I just It just was great. This is the kind of thing that maybe could have come to light via the, the activity feed. But I didn't need to because I actually followed Tyler with right. an insane amount of interest. So, <laughs> whatever. That's all I wanted to share. I just, Instagram's a fluid medium. They'll find another way really to is. share too much information. I hope so. And for you to be able to see everything that you need to know about everyone else. It's kind of, it's their whole business model. So, I believe that you will still have all the information that you can have. And also, possibly... Be slightly detached from Instagram. <laughs> Dare to dream. I will say I went like hours of that checking Twitter today and it was really freeing. Yeah, I need to do that. I took it off my phone and then I put it back and I got to take it off again. It's, it's great stuff. I, I don't really enjoy it, but. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, we wish you well. We do. 